Welcome to the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan, and this podcast is all about helping men to become unstuck in their lives and inspire and encourage them to move forward towards a life of strength, confidence, and inner fulfillment. So without further ado, here is today's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to episode number 42 of the Modern Warrior podcast. Today I am very excited to be joined by Tanner Guzzi. Tanner is a TEDx speaker, a men's style coach, and the author of The Appearance of Power. Cannot wait to have this conversation. Tanner, how you doing, my man? I'm stoked to be here, Gavin. Thanks for having me on, man. Likewise, it's an absolute privilege, my man, and uh, a very unique concept, a very unique uh, uh, role, job. A little different, right? (laughs) You don't come across too many men's style coaches out there. I have to convince people it actually is a real job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And obviously, you've written a book around that topic. Is that right? So Mm -hmm. correct. Is that where it all started? Or did the book come after you established this career? Or where did that fit in? The book came after I had made the jump from working in the menswear industry to being full time self employed doing this. It all started for me. As far as the, you know, the coaching and the uh, the business component of it, it started about 10 years ago, when I started a blog called masculine style, I had been I, I, I'm a good, I'm a decent writer. I'm a good writer. I'm a good communicator. And I've always wanted to use that talent as a way to kind of make some money and, and improve the world around me. And uh, I got really sick of writing about stuff like politics and kind of these heavy topics. And uh, I still wanted to get better at writing and thought, well, you know, there's something that kind of relates to men in a way that they don't think about it. I've really always been kind of sensitive to style and clothes and how they can affect identity and also the way you interact with other people. So I thought, well, let's start writing about this in a way and see if I can really kind of dive into this and flesh out some, some concepts that were dancing around in my head. And it really resonated with a lot of men, I think, because it's a topic that's really taboo in a lot of circles, or even if it's not, it's approached in a very soft or effeminate or fashionista kind of way, as opposed to how it actually relates to masculinity and, and like that, that uh, what traditional concept of masculinity and so for me to kind of be a lone voice out there combining these worlds, uh, yeah, it, it, it struck a chord for a lot of men, which has been really fun. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So where did the book take you? Like, Did that open up a whole avenue of new clientele for you? Where did it go from there? Yeah, the book is really cool in that it's one of those things. I mean, I'd been writing for a while. I'd done podcasts. I'd done YouTube stuff. I've spoken at conferences. And the book was finally a a primer where I could take all of these ideas that have been kind of scattered throughout all this stuff and put it together in a way that made sense. And you could, if you had never heard of me before, you could start with the book, you'd take you three hours to finish it. And by the time you're done, you have a really good idea of what it is I teach and why I teach it. And it's really cool because I never planned on it being, for me, it was more just like an itch that I needed to scratch than necessarily like how this was going to work from a business perspective. But there's a credibility that comes from being an author, as you know, that you know you get on bigger podcasts 
and you start working with higher ticket clients because they see you as more credible and authoritative and it opens up other avenues for speaking engagements or all these other things and you know i bring in enough money every month to pay a good chunk of the mortgage and all of that too and so it's it's kind of all these these little benefits that come with it and um, I had the opportunity this summer to do a TED talk and I am expecting the uh, what the the credibility increase or that boost and kind of clout and authority to be very similar and that it just kind of takes you to the next tier as far as people people treating you like you're you're serious about what you do. So the book was definitely the the first real step in that. Brilliant. Yeah, I've actually listened to your TED talk. So uh, for all the listeners, to this podcast, go and check it out. It's uh, loaded with value and very insightful. So yeah um epic and what i'm firstly interested in is perhaps the the psychological link between style and and personality how your style influences your character or influences your behavior influences your actions ultimately influences and impacts your life yeah and so what that looks like man it's one of those things that people we treat it way too lightly. We're either kind of uh, resentful of the idea where you get this don't judge a book by its cover or real men don't care how they look. And there's really this kind of like emotional rejection of the importance of it. Or you get these really superficial things that it's dressed for the job you want and not the one you have or always be the best dressed man in the room. And, you know, they kind of hit on some of the basic concepts. But the reality of it is, is that we're, we're social creatures. If you the closer you get to you uh, wanting to completely be isolated, the more of a sociopath you become like you care about the people around you in your life or you should. And it doesn't mean you have to care about everybody in the world. It doesn't mean you have to care about everybody at work or everybody in your neighborhood, but you should care about the opinions of the people that matter in your life. I mean, that's the whole concept of honor is that your reputation among the, the men and the women that you respect matters and honor is still a masculine virtue. And it is still something that we should, we should be concerned with. And our clothing not only impacts the way that we interact with each other, the way that people perceive us, the way that they that we signal things like status or mastery, or am I in group or am I X group or where I where I fall within a certain organization or any of that. But it also affects our perception of ourselves. It affects our reality based on things like our confidence or, you know, if you see the best best the best looking version of you looking back in the mirror or in the photos that you post on social media it's almost a placebo that you can create for yourself where you start to believe that that's who you really are. And that's what you're really capable of. Whereas if you just dress, like it doesn't matter, you dress, like you're trying to hide you dress, like the only thing that matters is comfort. Then you start to convince yourself that the only thing that matters in your life is how comfortable you are. And that starts to bleed out into your fitness or your diet or your relationships. And you start to avoid any sort of certainly mandatory or a voluntary hardship, but even mandatory hardship. And then you start pursuing as much comfort at the expense of, goodness or excellence or happiness or accomplishment as possible. And so it's, it's totally interrelated to how we see ourselves and how we interact with other people. Yeah. However, a lot of that discomfort does come from other people as well, isn't it? In terms of the negative oh, yeah. or negative reactions you may receive if you dress differently than everyone else in the crowd. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why so many men are so reticent to even approach it because it's it's a display like it is an outright almost aggressive display of intentionality and sincerity and effort and we largely live in a postmodern world of cowards that because 
they're afraid of being judged or they're afraid of trying and failing or they're afraid of discomfort. They're going to resent anybody who does it well because it shines a light on their inability to do it or they're going to point their fingers and they're going to laugh at somebody who doesn't do it well as a way to justify this is what would happen to me if I were to try and fail. And so it becomes this kind of self-defeating cycle. And yes, people are going to judge you based on how you look. They're going to judge you favorably they're going to judge you poorly and the only way to not have people judge you is to be so small and minute and minuscule that people don't even pay attention to you and that sounds way more hellish to me than having people judge me unfavorably because they don't like my hair or they don't like my clothes or something else i would rather i would much rather be negatively judged than be completely ignored and and be invisible in the world Mm -hmm. yeah and then beneath all of this there is the longing for acceptance and connection isn't there because again going back to that to that approach if you do dress differently than the rest of the crowd you're an outcast and i can relate to this because uh thinking in my own head uh mm-hmm. like i i come from a you know a very small village in in the country and basically in the middle of nowhere uh, mm-hmm. where guys go to the pub and they're wearing their their jeans and their t-shirts and uh, as you said don't really give a shit about how they look uh, right i remember walking into the pub one night with my friend i was about 25 perhaps and uh, i was wearing this uh this beige blazer and uh, okay like really stood out from the crowd uh, not yeah only, big step not, out not only was the blazer but it was a beige blazer and to me right leaving the house that night I thought you know what I look pretty good uh looking pretty stylish it was a new blazer I bought I had it backed up with a, a black t-shirt and black jeans and yeah it looked pretty sharp and then I walk into the pub and it's like what the <laughs> fuck who is this right turning all these heads in the wrong way yeah and then well back then I, I wouldn't have been as strong-minded as, as I am right now and eventually the beige the beige blazer came off and was not put on again for a very long time so but it's it's that form of being rejected from the crowd right. or from your community even because right. it's so different and i think that's a which is a, that's a real fear and that's a valid fear for sure and isn't it interesting that you describe the other men in the pub as they don't care how they look but none of them would put on the beige blazer and they certainly reject you for doing that and so they they absolutely care they have just as strong of an emotional connection to clothing as anybody else but the only appropriate way for them to express that is by looking like they don't care how they look. As soon as they look like they care, then they've moved into this foreigner territory. And that's why they all wear the same uniform. That's why they all look, you know, disheveled or dopey or anything else in the exact same way, because to, to venture outside of that is, is anathema. I mean, you, you you are an outsider in that. Yep. Yeah. It is that, uh, that whole concept of uh, dare to be different, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and don't, and, and I would imagine, look at where you are with your life versus where those same men are right now. And the ability to dare to be different or the ability to even venture into being different in multiple different arenas, you're doing it with your health. You're doing it by, I mean, the balls to start a podcast and the audacity to think that people want to hear your opinion or that other people want to talk to you. Like that's, that's really putting yourself out there for rejection. You know what that's like? The only thing worse than an influencer is a wannabe influencer. And everybody has to go through that phase of like, okay, this guy's not posting on social media, like a normal person. He's posting like he's like, he's trying to make something of this and it's cringe inducing until you attain some level of success. And there there's an audacity in being willing to do that. And the more opportunities you give yourself to, 
kind of flex or practice that audacity, then the better you get at it and the better, the better position you put yourself in. And so style is a huge component of that. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and, uh, again, this is reflective of the, the work you're in and, and the people, people you work with and the environments you find yourself in on a regular basis as well, in terms of let's take your ordinary, I don't know if ordinary is maybe a, a, an unfair word, but you know, your standard guy who goes to the office nine to five job, is it, is it advisable for him to perhaps stand out from the crowd, uh, in an office space like that, in a certain environment, in terms of bringing in his own style, his own concept, where he is again, somewhat outside of the circle in terms of the, uh, typical standards within that workplace. It depends on what his goals are. And it also depends on how far he's trying to stand out. Um, the best way to explain it is that style is a tool like anything else. And it can be a tool used to stand out or it can be a tool used to fit in. And what I encourage my clients to do, what I encourage listeners to do is to really do some self-introspection and figure out what you want to do at work. Are you content to stay where you are? Are you content to kind of not rock the boat and you're in a good position and you would rather be able to maintain that so that you're mentally freed up to focus on improvement in more personal arenas or in other things? If that's the case, then no, don't change the way you look at work because that's going to start to impact things. But if you're ambitious and you want to you want to improve what your career prospects are, or you hate the idea of coming in and feeling like you're conforming and you want to stand out, then there are ways to start to do that. And you can turn that knob up by one, or you can turn that knob up by 10. And again, that's going to determine a lot of things too. And so one of the more difficult things about style, but also where its real power comes in, is you have to be incredibly self-aware of not only where you currently are, but where you want to be in your own self-perception and in the way other people perceive you. And then you have to have the ability to be able to fine tune your appearance to impact that and get your perception to be where you want it to be. Because there's not a right or a wrong answer. There's not a moral or an immoral answer. It is a very subjective, what is the job that I want to accomplish? And what are the tools that I have in order to help me accomplish the job? Excellent, yeah. and. Are there any typical do's or don'ts that you would, uh, would, would stand by when it comes to style? And uh, again, I'm, I'm reflecting back on uh, a time in college when it was actually the first time I went to college. I was living with, I believe, 11 other women in an apartment. It's just the way things work out. So, <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> wild, yeah. Well, yeah, it was wild in, in many different ways. And the... I remember uh, dressing in a certain way and one mm -hmm. of the girls highlighting the point that, uh, what was it? Navy and black, navy and black don't go. You do not wear navy and black. And mm -hmm. ever since then, that's kind of stuck with me and I'm always very conscious of, of mixing navy and black. So in your own, from your own perspective, are there any typical do's or don'ts that guys should stay away from or be quite vigilant about? When it comes to style. Yeah, they, it's funny because a lot of guys want to focus on this when they get into kind of the tactical approach, because uh, being able to say like no Navy and black or no black and brown or no white after Labor Day or before Memorial Day, those types of rules for us as men, they're very easily quantifiable. It's very simple to just say, no, I'm not going to do that. Or you get a lot of guys that say like no cargo shorts or no Crocs or no squared toe shoes. And there's there's a there's good measure for almost all of those things. And so I would say every single one of those is a good rule to follow 99.9% .9 of the time. But 
there's always exceptions to those kinds of rules because context is going to be king more than any specific set of rules is going to be king. And there are ways that you can bend them or you can break them. And so what my rules typically are, are things more along the lines of don't ever let a woman choose your clothes for you because she's going to have different aesthetic goals than you do. And she's going to make you look cute instead of making you look powerful and, and authoritative and confident. She's going to make you look more effeminate and more trendy and more like arm candy as opposed to being masculine and being your own sense of self as opposed to being one of her accessories. And so it's rules like that where you think about it in kind of the big picture as opposed to don't mix this color with that or don't mix that formality with that formality. A lot of times those rules can very easily and very and, and be broken very well too. Mm -hmm. Okay. So don't let your woman dress you basically is the, is the rule there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'll come up with uh it's funny. I had like three more as I was, as I was listening to you explain your story and they all just flittered away. And so when I remember them, I'll jump back in, I'll interrupt <laughs> you. But, but the, again, it's, it, the, it's more important to focus on the big, the big concepts, the big strategies, as opposed to the specific tactics or the specific rules in and of themselves. Yeah. Okay. So how does a man dress more mask, more, more masculine? It depends on what that masculinity is. Is it a physical masculinity? Is it a social masculinity? Is it a kind of like antisocial rebellious type of masculinity? Is it a direct power is in like, you know, I've got cauliflower ear and I look like I can do some real damage to you because I've, I'm used to, you know, I have a ground game and I, I actually engage in fights for fun and for a living. Or is it more of an indirect power where, you know, I mean, even you go back and you look at, um, you look at like the, the, the aristocrats, you look at the aristocracy and so much of the dandyism or the foppishness or this kind of like almost this daintiness was really a flex of masculinity because it was, I'm so powerful that I never even have to get my hands dirty. I pay people like you to do that for me and I don't even have to do it at all. And so, and all of those can be taken to kind of cartoonish extremes. You don't want to wear a necklace of human ears from all of the enemies that you felled, <laughs> nor do you want to look like, you know, a 17th century French aristocrat where you're doing like powdered makeup and lipstick and like fake moles that are put on you in your way. Like you can get into cartoonish levels of all of that. But again, you have to know yourself. You have to do enough introspection because if you are not physically dangerous and you try to dress in a way that signals physical danger, that dissonance is going to create really big problems for you. Or if you're not socially competent and you try to dress in a way that signals you are, again, it's going to create this, this dissonance. And so it's knowing who you are, knowing what you want to become. And then the real secret is actually developing yourself to becoming more than that. Because the, bet, the most masculine looking men, yeah, they're good with their style but they're men that are physically dangerous. They are socially competent. They are financially capable. They're men in so many other arenas than just their clothes. And so the clothing supplements that as opposed to trying to create it out of thin air for a man who is in no way masculine other than the costume he's trying to put on. And so know who you are, become a multifaceted masculine man, and then use your clothing to help tell that story to kind of lean into your strengths. And that again becomes very personal and it becomes very powerful when it becomes that personal too. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So for a lot of the guys listening to this podcast as well, and a lot of the guys I work with, one thing that's quite common among these men is, is a lack of confidence, a lack of self-belief. And in terms of style and fashion, is it a sort of a fake it till you make it approach in terms of 
yeah, if you want to become more confident, dress more confident, more more confidently. Uh, dress like a strong man, and you will begin to feel like a strong man, even though deep within you're still struggling with that uh, with that confidence or self esteem. So, what's your perspective on that in terms of fake it or make it approach? Or yeah, it's both. It's both. You have to fake it in the right dose. And uh, the best way that I can explain this is is the uh, the strength training principle of progressive overload. Um, I just uh, I was deadlifting yesterday. My current three rep max is four ten, and uh, that's pounds. By the way, I know I, I'm not nearly that impressive that I'm doing that in kilos, <laughs> but okay. um, that's where yeah, that's where my uh, that's where my current uh, deadlift is. I, I, I'm excited to be able to get to five hundred at some point. I'm not going to go out next week and put 500 pounds on the ground and try and pull that because the disparity between where I am and where I want to get is way too strong. And I'm going to, I'm going to hurt myself. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm going to get discouraged because there's too much disparity. But if I go and I add five more pounds, or maybe I just get some micro plates and I add two and a half more pounds and I slowly build up to that, it works. And this is again, where a lot of guys make this mistake of, you know, I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt all the time and I don't feel as confident as I want to be. So I'm going to buy a three-piece suit and I'm going to wear that around everywhere. And that's going to somehow magically transform me into somebody that feels confident. And you don't, you feel like a joke. People treat you like you're a joke because the disparity is too strong. Really what you should do is you should stay with jeans and a t-shirt, but get them in simple dark colors, as opposed to the graphic tee that basically says your identity is rooted in whatever brand you're consuming. Get them so that they fit well, so that you don't look like a scrawny kid that doesn't fit his stuff or a fat kid that doesn't rec- realize that he's fat and he's also sloppy too because he can't find clothes that fit that fit right. Or, you know, you've wasted all this energy in lifting because you don't look like you lift when you have your clothes on. Like get stuff that fits and then focus on higher quality versions of it because people aren't going to be able to tell People can tell the difference between an $8 t-shirt and an $80 t-shirt, even if they can't quantify that it's, oh, there's a little bit more weight to that cloth and it drapes better or the stitching is done better. And so those seams hold a little, like they, they can't pinpoint it, but they can see the difference in a way that they recognize that just looks higher quality than that. And so stay with where you are and improve upon that rather than trying to venture in a totally different realm so that you still see yourself, you don't see this totally fake and false version of yourself, but you see a better version of yourself. And then you start to believe that that's who you are. So your body language changes, your your tenor changes, your confidence changes. And then when people see you looking better and they see you carrying yourself better and they see you asserting yourself a little bit more, they're going to see that and they're going to believe it because there's consistency there. And when they treat you that way, then you're going to believe it even more that this is real and this isn't fake. And so you're going to start to internalize it more and it can go back and forth and back and forth until you really do get to the level of confidence where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Excellent, man. And then for a lot of these guys as well, they are in the dating game. So when uh, when they're trying to improve their confidence, ultimately what they're trying to do is in, improve their their dating life, their sex life, uh, mm-hmm. improve relationships. So when it comes to perhaps a first date or dates in general, are there certain is there a certain approach that you recommend they take when when they're going on these dates? Is there are there certain clothes you should wear? Shouldn't is there certain clothes you should avoid? Or what's your general concept on that? So one of the one of the big things is to know the appropriateness of what you're wearing in the environment that you're going. You know, if you're going to a pub, it's very different than going to the symphony and you should dress very differently in those environments and you know have some 
don't be so socially obtuse that you don't understand that. Um, but really the biggest thing, most guys, when they get ready to, when they're, when they're thinking about what they're going to put on for a date, especially if they're a little bit nervous, they're not feeling as confident as they want to. And this is a subtle mindset shift, but it makes all the difference is they will pick their clothing or they will dress in a way that the main goal is to impress their date. And really what you should be doing is you should be dressing in a way that you can adequately express who you are to your date. And so it's not dressing based on her approval. It's dressing based on your sense of self and how well you can articulate that and express that to her. Because then it changes your whole mindset of, I'm not seeking her approval. I'm not going into this fingers crossed. Maybe she's going to like me. It's going into this of, there's almost this kind of abundance mindset that you can create for yourself. If this is who I am and I'm going to present this to her. And if she's interested, then awesome. We can be a good match and we can take things further. Or if she's not, then great. I know that no skin off my back and I can go into the next round. I can find somebody else. And so creating that abundance mindset and just shifting how you think about what you're wearing, you can wear the same thing, but think about why you're wearing it. And it changes the way that you, you think about yourself. It changes the confidence with which you carry yourself and women pick up on this. And they become much more attracted to you because they know that you're not simping for or desperately trying to seek their approval. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, uh, the appearance of power, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right so, there. Right. Yeah, for sure. You've got the power. And, and introspect, introspection is something you've mentioned several times in this podcast so far. And I know that is a major part of, of the work you do, but how important is it to understand your own aesthetics and your own physique in terms of understanding what sort of clothing or what sort of fits are going to suit your, your aesthetics and your physique? So for example, if, if there's a certain guy who's got, you know, big arms, should he wear shorter sleeves to, uh, to show those big arms? If, if there's a certain guy who's carrying a bit of a gut, should he wear baggy, should he wear a more baggy top to, to kind of cover that up? Or, yeah, so have you got a certain approach when it comes to physique and aesthetics? Yeah, there's there are quite a few rules that you can follow and you can understand related to, especially just the aesthetics component. Because there's an aesthetics as far as what visibly looks good, what kind of fits are like scientific brains, the golden ratio, the, you know, the Fibonacci sequence, all this stuff that we kind of scientifically and biologically are hardwired, just like, you know, we like seeing women with an hourglass shape and we like seeing men with a V shape. That's just, that's how we're programmed because those are things that are indicative of health and fertility and youth and competence and all of that. And understanding those things can be really beneficial. Um, and again, this is going to be stuff that is, it's going to be, like you said, dependent on what your body is, because if you have, you know, if you're a big overweight guy, you want to dress in a way that's different than if you're a totally scrawny guy. If you have a really um, high level of variation and contrast between your skin tone and like your eyes and your hair and your eyebrows, then you want to wear a different intensity of colors than those who have a complexion that's a little bit more muted. And there, there are rules that you can follow that really start to help out with this. Um, this is stuff that I cover in the book or a lot of this is stuff that I do with my clients to help them figure out like what's actually very specifically applicable to them. Even little things like, um, what kind of sunglasses look best on you based on your, your face shape. And it's fun to kind of get those little wins because even if your communication, sending the right signals, using clothing as a language to be able to express what you want to express, it's kind of like, what's a good way of, of describing this? It's almost like 
you listen to French, you listen to French women sing in French, and I have no idea what they're saying, but man, is it beautiful. And man, it just kind of hits you in a certain way, right? Or you watch like German or Russian uh, military commercials, and you just, you have no idea what they're saying, but you get totally pumped up to go do whatever it is that they're doing because of the, uh, what the phonetics, as opposed to the aesthetics of their language. And you can do the same thing where Obviously, language is both how it sounds and the symbolism of what the words mean. And clothing is the same way. So, yes, it's worth it to dial in the aesthetics, even if you don't figure out what you're communicating. But the goal is to be able to get both working simultaneously for you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, there's a, yeah, a bit of both there. And then again, this is uh, something in terms of your approach with working with men. Could you tell us a bit more about how that works? So, for example, if if I or one of my listeners wanted to reach out to you uh, to work with you, what are the fundamental steps you take in terms of establishing his his style and, and getting him to the point where getting to the point where he he understands style and fashion and how to dress uh, in a powerful way? Oh, That's- I love that you asked it that way. That the that it's understanding because. That's the biggest difference between what I do and like buying from a subscription box that some 22 year old chick with a fashion degree tells you, you know, she sends stuff to you or working with even a stylist is they, they kind of get you on the hook for always being dependent on them. Whereas my goal is to get you to get my clients to not only understand, but to become self-sufficient so that you go from not understanding any of this at all to getting to a level of proficiency and then even eventually getting to a level of mastery where it becomes just as effortless and just as simple for my clients as it is for me, because then you don't have to think about, I don't think about my clothes any harder than anybody else does. I know the system and I have it down so well that it becomes very natural and intuitive. And I, I don't, I don't put much time or effort into my appearance uh, any more than, than your typical man does. And that's the goal is to get you putting in that amount of effort and having it be the, the, the that the results are so much better. So yeah, we kind of tackle this in, in a couple different steps. The very first thing I do with my one-on-one guys, you know, if you and I were working together is I want to see everything that's in your closet. And part of it is so that I can tell you, you know, this group of stuff is good. This is the stuff that like, Gavin, please do, do not ever wear that ever again. It's terrible. Right. My, and so we kind of get some beige blazer. Yeah. Be your beige blazer <laughs> <laughs> depends on how it fits. But, <clears throat> but the real reason that I start there is because for the vast majority of my clients, being stylish is not the goal. It's being confident and being congruent with who they are on the inside and who they are on the outside and having that look good and feel good. That is the goal. Because I can take any man in the world and I can spend an hour with him at a, at a store, at a mall or online shopping, and I can make him stylish. Like that's super easy to do. But he's going to feel like a joke in whatever I end up picking for him, unless we just happen to get lucky and it totally aligns with who he is, what he does for a living, where he lives in the world, what his hobbies are, what his identity is. And so I start with my clients by going through their closet with them because as as they tell me, this is the stuff that I feel like a million bucks in, or this is the stuff that I can't believe I've had this sitting in the back of my closet for six years. I remember why I bought it, but I've never felt good wearing it. I don't know why I've never thrown it away or everything that's in between. It helps me get an idea of what they're naturally trying to do, albeit very kind of like obtusely or very in a very clunky way, but what they're naturally trying to do as far as expressing their identity through their appearance so that we start with that as the right baseline and then actually move in the correct direction as opposed to veering off in some random way that doesn't actually accomplish the task at hand. So we got to start with the right baseline. 
From there, we move into a pretty cool training phase where we focus on that idea of aesthetics. I teach them all those really good, simple things about their body. We talk about communication. We talk about what you do for a living. Uh, what, what are you doing? Like, are you dating? And who are the women that you're interested in? Are you married? Do you have kids? What are the signals that you want to send to them? What are your family dynamics? What are your hobbies? What are your, what are your religious beliefs or your political beliefs? And how do you signal those things to the people that matter to you? And what do you want to signal? Do you want to look more open and friendly and amiable? Do you want to look more credible and powerful and authoritative? And how do people within your world interpret those signals? And so how can we use your clothing to express all of that? And then the third component of that is this idea of self-perception. Again, your identity, who is it that you are on the inside? What is the best version of Gavin look like or my client look like so that I we can figure out together how to express that externally so that when you do see a reflection, when you do see a photo of you, you just see, you see it and you go, that's actually me. That doesn't look like some, some guy that's trying to hide. That doesn't look like some poser that's trying to pretend, but holy crap, that actually looks like me. And man, what that does for my guys and their confidence, like it just, it blows things up in a massive way. So we go from there. And then the third and the final component of it is we actually have to buy the clothes because it's cool to understand that but we got to do that too. And so not only do I have like a really good network of brands that most guys aren't aware of because they're not kind of neck deep in this industry like I am. So I can help these guys get access to more brands, but I also teach you how to shop. I teach you how to talk to sales associates, how to eliminate decision fatigue, how to be able to gauge quality versus price. So that when you go in and you go shopping, it's not 20 minutes or five hours of just literal hell because you hate it and it sucks, but it actually becomes a fairly enjoyable process. And if you're single, it's a really fun way to like flirt with the girls at the store. And they, they can't believe that you talk about this in a way that's so confident. Or if you're married, you take your wife with you and she just loves seeing you try on clothes and being able to be decisive and make these decisions. And so shopping becomes something very enjoyable. And as you do, as you move through the, through those three steps, you get to the point where you're very self-sufficient at this and you know your own style, you know how to change your style as your life evolves, and you know how to get good at actually implementing that by finding brands online and offline and putting it together in a really good wardrobe. So that's that's what the process looks like. You're a, yeah, you're the master of your own style. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Exactly. And one thing that's that stuck out there is decision fatigue. And <laughs> right. That is huge. Yeah, when it, even when it comes to getting dressed in the morning, Never mind yep. shopping in a store, but getting dressed in the morning, and like, in fairness, I, I do look after myself, and I, I am quite vigilant of of my appearance and how I perceive myself, and, but in saying that, I could go through you know two or three outfits in the morning before I decide on one to wear, and that could be something as simple as going to the gym, or mm -hmm. simply going into town to grab a cup of coffee, and it's like, okay, how do I want to present myself today? And does this match this? Does <laughs> uh, no black and navy? Um, but right. uh, the, the the decision fatigue is, I think, a massive factor for a lot of guys. And you see this all the time in in stores. You go into a store, and of course, I'm there, and uh, I'm looking for my bits and pieces. But at the same time, there's another individual or several individual men going through the same process, and it's it's almost as if they're lost. They don't know what they're looking for. They don't know. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, so eliminating that in itself is going to save you a hell of a lot of time and a lot, yep. of, a lot of energy as well, especially in the morning time when um, you just want to get changed and, and, and get on with your day. So uh, no, that's massive in itself. And yeah, I'll give you I'm some, I'll give you some tips on that. I'll give it, cause this is one of the things that can actually be fairly 
objective, like across the board that makes it really helpful. So the first thing is with colors, there are five neutral colors that they all largely go well together. Um, yeah, you can't do like black and navy or black and brown, but for the most part, these all work together. So it's black, white, blue, brown, and gray. The vast majority of my wardrobe consists of those colors so that when I roll out of bed, I can I can almost get dressed in the dark super easily. Or the ability to say, you know, this particular shirt matches with every single pair of pants that I own, or this pair of jeans or that pair of trousers matches every single shirt that I own. It makes it really easy in that regard. A lot of guys tend to get focused on good style means I have to stand out. And the easiest way to stand out is I have to have really unique colors. And the problem is, is you get shirts that can only be worn with specific things or pants that can only be worn with specific things. And then all of a sudden you've got a closet of very specific outfits, but none of it mixes and matches with anything else. And so colors make that really easy. And then the same thing happens with formality. If you don't have a ton of stuff that's like super formal, nor do you have a ton of stuff that's super casual, but it all kind of fits somewhere in between where you've got a more casual blazer or a sport coat that yes, it can be worn with a good pair of trousers and a, and a button up shirt and a tie. If you want to dress that up, but you can also throw that on with a pair of jeans and that's going to look, that's going to look different too. Or maybe you've got even something like a pair of joggers or a pair of like well-fitting sweatpants that, yeah, you can wear those out on a Sunday morning to brunch after you've hit the gym. But you can also throw those on with a knit t-shirt and a top coat and a good clean pair of sneakers. And you could still wear that if you're going to the pub or you're going to do something else. And so kind of avoiding the extremes of the formality spectrum, in addition to keeping your colors super versatile, makes it really easy to not have to think too hard about what you're going to wear every day. Cool. So just buy black, white, gray, brown, and what's the other color you said? Blue. Blue. So just buy those colors. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but then again, you don't you don't mix the the blue with the black, and you don't mix the uh, what else? Black is the one that throws everything off. You have to be a little bit more careful with black, but everything else, gray goes with black or go, goes with uh, brown and blue and white and all. Yeah, so you, even if you just focus on those four, you avoid a little bit more black. Then it makes it even easier to kind of mix and match everything. Excellent, man. Yeah. So uh, you like me, you're you're a father as well, and I am. This is uh, yeah, well done, man, and. Not an easy role to play either, but <laughs> nope, you get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're doing it, man. And uh, so, how does uh, style and fashion fit into the father's role in your perspective, or how important is it in terms of uh, a father's role? So, this will sound hyperbolic, and I absolutely mean it the way that I say it. Fathers have a moral obligation to dress well. And don't mishear me, don't think that I'm saying that fathers have a moral obligation to dress up or to wear expensive clothes, or to always be formal or fancy. I'm saying that fathers have a moral obligation to always look like they put on whatever they put on with some real intention and with some real, uh, yeah, some, some real effort on their part, even if the effort was when I bought it versus when I put it on in the morning. And the reason for that is because, man, I don't know how it was for you. I don't know how it is over there, but over here, fatherhood is treated as the death of individuality. It's the death of your own personal ambition. It's the death of all of the things that you loved about being a kid or being a teenager or being single or even just being newly married without having kids. It means mediocrity. It means obesity. It means living vicariously through sports. It means having to always sacrifice what you want 
because your wife is nagging you or because your kids are so demanding and they're little brats. And I hate the way that fatherhood is portrayed and it makes it totally unappealing for most men to want to engage in it. The reality is fatherhood is incredible. Fatherhood is none of those things. If you don't make it any of those things, it can be an absolute dead weight or it can be the most powerful boost and rocket fuel to your own self-development and your own excellence way more than dating or than financial success or than anything else. Because when you have these little beings, man, I'm going to get emotional thinking about this. When you have these little beings and you're their model for what excellence is or what it isn't, you're their model for what life can be or it can't be. You have every moral obligation to be as excellent as you are capable of becoming so that that's what they see is what their future is so that they don't cringe at the idea of becoming a mom or becoming a dad. They don't resent the idea that their life ends when they're in their twenties or when they're in thirties, but they recognize that fatherhood is just the beginning of what true greatness, what true happiness is. And so if you can model that and you do that with your physique, you do that in the way that you still date and flirt and have a great sex life with your, with your wife, you do that in maintaining really good friendships with other men. You do it in still keeping hobbies. You do it in being ambitious in your career and being respected in your field. You don't have to, you don't have to be a, an historical figure. You don't have to be the next, you know, Napoleon or George Washington or somebody like, you don't have to be that big of a deal, but you have to look like a man who respects himself. You have to be a man who respects himself. And one of the ways that you can signal that to yourself and you can signal that to your kids every day is by dressing like you give a crap about who you are. Brilliant. Yes. And for a lot of these guys, unlike yourself, uh, we are regular gym goers. And mm -hmm. Now for me, I go to the gym in the morning. It's the first one of the first things I do in the morning time. And it's my usual uh, tracks of bottoms and a t-shirt. And again, I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm quite vigilant and um, conscious of, of how I appear and, and my fashion sense. But when you get home, it's time to to get changed out of those joggers and that t-shirt and, and dress up like a like uh, like a strong masculine man, uh, not to not to wear that all day long. Right. You finished that today. Now you need to move on to the next chapter of the day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A lot of guys miss that where the ability to have you know you cross a threshold where. You go into a different room to work, or you go into a different building to work, or you wear different clothes to engage in different tasks, or you even listen to different music to do different things. And the more you can do that, the more kind of uh, thresholds you can create, the more barriers you can create so that your time in the gym is very different than your time at work, which is very different than your time at home, then the easier it is to immerse yourself in whatever it is that you're doing when you're fully there. You don't have this bleed or this overlap where you know, yeah, I'm, I'm in between sets and I'm trying to wrangle kids or I'm trying to, you know, uh, try to work business deals or something else. So I'm not actually really fully focused on this or yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interacting with my kids, but I'm also still trying to, to text clients or to deal with that. And the more kind of, of these barriers you can create, the more you can totally immerse yourself in what you're doing and the better you can do whatever the task is that you have at hand. And clothing, clothing is a huge aspect of that. That's why you guys who have ever played any sort of sport, you know, when you put on your uniform before you go out on the field or out on the pitch, you feel different. And that is by design. That is why you wear that uniform. And your game day uniform is different than what you wear in practice because you're in a different mindset and wearing different clothes helps put you in that mindset. Yeah, that's it, man. So you're, 
the clothes you wear to the gym gets you, say you're wearing gym clothes, gets you into the training mindset. The clothes right. you wear at home gets you into, like for example, for me and a lot of a lot of guys at the moment uh, are working from home. So even though you're working from home, you're not going to the office, you get dressed as if you're going to work. Uh, Absolutely. You're not there sitting in your in the same gear as, as you did when you went to the gym. And Right. And again, this, so that the clothes then you wear in your workspace should also be different to the clothes you wear as, as, a, as a father or, or when you're, when you're playing the role of the father or again, does this mean it, it can be, it can be really simple. Do you remember, do you remember the intro to Mr. Rogers when he gets home and he like switches with the cardigan from one color to another, he takes off the tie and he takes off his, his dress shoes and he puts on a pair of sneakers, but everything else is the same. It takes him, you know, all of the like 20 seconds of that introductory song. Just do that. Just have like a different pair of shoes or, you know, switch from a button up shirt to a T-shirt or just make some sort of a subtle change that it's I am now clocking out of work and I am moving into family mode or relaxed mode or father mode or whatever else it is that you're doing and watch it change your ability to actually be more invested in what you're doing when you're outside of work. Cool. Brilliant insight. And this has been an epic conversation man i've taken loads from this myself and i'm sure the listeners have done so as well so if they wanted to reach out to you and potentially work with you where can they find you where's the best place to get you at so uh the best place to interact with me is via social media um i'm most active on twitter and instagram and uh it's at tanner guzzy so t-a-n-n-e-r-g-u-z-y my dms are open so if you're interested in talking about coaching shoot me a dm and i would love to talk to you Uh, we can talk about what you're looking for and if i'm a good fit Um, if you want to see more about what my content looks like and and ideas on how this goes uh, the the main site is masculine-style.com there's a lot of different things that you can do to kind of like understand more about you know am i more physical or am i more social am i more rebellious and how that applies to my style i've got a, a quiz to help you guys understand that that'll get you on the mailing list and um if you want to check out the book, again, it's called The Appearance of Power. Uh, you can find that on Amazon. There's a paperback, uh, a Kindle version, and then also an audio version of that as well. So really good kind of primer to take the concepts that Gavin's done a very good job of kind of asking great questions and diving in on and just expanding upon those ideas even further. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, man. And just one more question. You, you work with guys. Can you work with guys from an online perspective? All, almost all of what I do is online. Uh, the vast majority of my clients are uh, not here in, in the Salt Lake City, Utah area where I am. Uh, I've worked with quite a few guys from the UK, uh, enough so that I've got a, a decent understanding of brands that are available to you out there and all that. And, you know, I've got guys in Dubai and guys down in Mexico City and kind of all over the place, which is which is really fun. No, most of my guys are online and it's it's fun to work with international guys for sure. Brilliant, Tanner. Well, get on it, guys. And uh, thank you for your time and value. Thanks for having me on, man. This is a fun conversation. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you, man. See you later.